So we lose a David again, but we have an Aaron here. Hello. I feel like I haven't been here in like a very long time. You've been busy. Yes, I have. I picked up my entire life and moved it almost as far as possible without going across an ocean. And San Francisco is good? Yes, it is good. Are you I, making friends? Yes. Good. Um, and waking up at 10 a.m. to watch football is weird, but I'm adjusting slowly but surely. The early slate of games ended, and I feel like it's like time for my nap or like almost through the day, and it's 1.30. That kind of sucks that you get used to a whole new time zone, and then the time changes on you again. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Like, I somehow I have gotten to have a much healthier sleep schedule. I think probably because all of my friends go to sleep at like nine o'clock for me now. So there's no reason for me to stay up till like 2 a.m. So I just naturally go to bed like around 11. You're saying that your bad influences on you? No, I'm not calling anyone in specific out. I'm just saying <laughs> in general, I had people awake at later hours who I would talk to and now later hours are three hours earlier for me so like even if I have a friend that stays up till 2am that's 11 for me yeah I see what you're saying I'll allow it (laughs) so Carolina is going to make a bowl game aren't they finally we can we can breathe easy now but hey, never in listen, doubt, right? anything, can, <laughs> anything can happen. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. I told Mav during the game, he looked like a secret service agent <laughs> watching from his seat. He was like backed up against like the back of the um the end zone, like in his seats, like with his sunglasses on, hands in his pockets, just watching solemnly over the game. <laughs> and probably no one's standing up around me. Yeah, just that probably what made me stay there. That's what made me stood out. Did either of you storm the field after the game? I did not. I am too old to be running onto a foot. I've been on Keenan Stadium's field too many times for me to want to go on there voluntarily after (laughs) we beat Big Forest. No, thank you. No, it was cool. I got my picture of the of the field as they rushed, but I did not. I stayed behind with band. Some friends that will remain nameless did rush the field. (laughs) Name them in the chat. But no, we won. We beat Wake Forest, who was undefeated 8-0, gave them their first L of the season. And we win 58-55. Wow. It was almost like last year's score. It was like, what, 53-59 or 52-59? 53-59. Wake Forest has to hate us. (laughs) <laughs> probably Are we I think J- James Gilbert I think is his name on Twitter he reported that one tenth of Carolina's football victories have now come against Wake Forest are we going to be the North Carolina state champions this year we're now well I think position. squarely yeah squarely in pole position yeah um, at worst we're going to tie yeah so um, even if we didn't make a bowl game, I guess the last game of the season is just going to be the state championship this year. Which I'll take. Well, for a share of the state championship, because if <laughs> if state wins that game, then it would be a three-way tie for the state championship, right? 
because we beat Wake, who beat State, who beat us in that hypothetical. Yeah. Sure. Um, that was fun, though. I, I. Oh yeah! If you like offense, it was a very entertaining game. Ty Chandler is good at football. He's really good. He's every he's time he through, I the think. corner, he's faster than I think he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind broken through. I think we we definitely got on him more at the beginning of the season, but he's I think he's really come into his own. Maybe yeah. that's just overall development as the season progresses. Also, maybe it's just Wake didn't really have a good run defense. Um, I think maybe it's a little bit of both. But yes, he had a career day. He some on the broadcast they said, you know, they brought up the storyline that the whole reason he transferred because he saw what Javante and Michael was going to do. And then in that game, he looked like a combination of both of them. And he was the first Carolina running back to have four touchdowns in 30 years, right? Yeah. Or did I make that up? No, you're not. Oh, cool. I commend Phil Longo for what? Stop the presses. Sticking Colby to is the complimenting run. Phil Longo. For sticking I'm bring to the back run. The soundboard. I'm going to bring back the soundboard just to have a I commend Phil Longo sound on there. For sticking to the run, even when we were down 18. I was telling people before the game, Wake's run defense is bad. We have a chance if we can run the ball on them. We were running against them early, and we decided to stick with it into the third quarter, and we were down 18, and it happened to be the thing that helped us seal the win. It did. I mean, and also given how the first play of the game went, too, there was also just general concerns, I think, just in the running game, like with that phone. Also, that was a terrible, like, upholding of that. Yeah, um, I was down, but I think that did make him. It gave it gave plenty of reason for them to not go into the running game when things got really out of hand. I went to the bathroom after that because I thought, well, I was like, okay, I'll get three minutes to go to the bathroom and we'll have to ball and be driving. And then I kept hearing Sam Hartman's name when I was coming back. I was very confused. If we are on the train of commending people, I would like to say that I want to commend. Jay Bateman. They gave up 55 points. But by, oh by God, God they, they did not give up 58. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Bed, but don't break. <laughs> Jesus. Listen, yeah. having Storm Duck back is a difference maker. Letting uh, the ability to be able to just lock down both corners of the field so you just put tony grimes on one side in man coverage put storm duck on the other side in man coverage and just let the safeties roam the middle of the field i mean got us some picks today i think it's going to be a difference maker in the next couple of games yeah yeah i agree kelly is another one that's just he's definitely vastly improving he it seemed to me that it, they were uh more comfortable uh, roaming around and getting to the spots they needed to be, knowing that they the outside was fine. Mm-hmm. So, what happened with Jeremiah Gemmel? Because that was before I woke up. They didn't even announce it in the stadium. Because so what, it, the play happened to end the first quarter, mm-hmm. and they came back in the first quarter. The first thing that I noticed on that play, it was fourth down, and they were on like the thirty yard line. And then they're on like the 15 or 16 yard line. Everybody's like, wait, that's the wrong spot. That's the wrong spot. And so I just happened to check my phone like 20 minutes later 
And I get the notice from uh, inside Carolina that Gimel had been disqualified from the game for targeting. I'm like, where did where did that come from? Because they didn't. Oh, I just it. I just found a replay of it. Uh, I mean, eh. can, can did you, you ever uh, see a replay send of it, it to us? Because I haven't yeah, seen send, it yet. I actually have not on, seen it. I just sent it on Twitter. I mean, live reaction. Mm. I mean, it, yeah. I think one of the good things. I mean, we can. I guess we can be positive now that we we know we won. It also it allowed Power Eccles to kind of step in and get some valuable reps or whatnot. However. You can definitely see the overall importance of having Gimel out there, I think, leading on the defense. I think we were already averaging like 5.5 yards a play when he was out there. After he left, Wake Forest started averaging more like 7 point something yards per game. In the in the uh, six snaps after Gamble's ejection, Carolina allowed 14 points and 15 yards per play. Yeah. So you could tell his kind of coordination and such. And like I said, there were still some of these communication issues. Like there's that third and one play that was on the line. And we looked completely out of position. We were still looking at the line by the time Sim Hartman hiked the ball. And so there was still plenty of stuff to to get on about that. We were just able to be a little more positive because we won the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I you shouldn't I have watch- to you shouldn't have to put up 58 points to even to beat a team like Wake Forest. When I rewatched the game this morning, there was a lot of looking over to the sideline as the play was starting, which is concerning. Uh, now, granted, Wake Forest does go tempo a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to be able to prepare for that. Also, they have the thing that caught me off guard is like the weird little prancing that they do when they hike the ball. Like they, the, the, when they do their RPOs, like they're almost like jogging in place. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, and they're the, just slowly moving up, and then they finally decide what they're going to do. The slow mesh, yeah, it's weird, um, and it's weird to watch. I I wonder if some of the you're delay- looking at it, you're just like, how are we not getting to them if they're just oh, practically standing still? But they they do it to everybody. So I was like, yeah. so apparently it just hasn't been figured out yet because they do it to everybody, and no one can figure it out. Uh, I wonder if some of the communication issues were because Bateman was in the booth today. He wasn't on the field. That, that might play a part in it, but still, like, I'd be able to get the calls in. But that is a win over a top 10 team, the first one since 2004. So. Wow. Win's yeah. a win. A win is a win. And now we just have to take care of business against Wofford, right? Yeah, I think it is. Is defeated in the SoCon. They're not undefeated. They're defeated. They they're winless. Mm-hmm. So we can just play the vibe killer for the rest of the year against Pitt and a uh, state, and I am fine with that being the role for us. And then just let whatever bowl happens happen. Today, when I checked it, I saw the Fenway Bowl and uh, the Gasparilla Bowl. So. I wish we got to play in the Gasparilla Bowl when we were in college. Mm. Imagine getting a shirt that said Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. I'd wear it every day. It'd be like my Michael Jordan UNC shorts. Where was the first bowl at? Where is that first bowl? Fenway in Boston. Oh, yeah. All righty. Shall we talk college football playoff a little bit? No, that wouldn't be controversial at all. Did do y'all, did y'all have any feelings about the initial poll that came out? Uh, had- I think 
I mean, it's Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon, Oregon. Ohio State, Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, listen, we we all know Alabama's going to make it. We all know they shouldn't make it. That's the truth. This year, Georgia should make it. And well, Georgia controls their own destiny, but unfortunately, I think Alabama does too. Like, even if Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, and Cincinnati all win out, I still think Alabama probably makes it over Cincinnati. And again, we're just getting this situation where I think Cincinnati's a bona fide team. And yet they're still just not getting it. But you know what? Michigan State just lost. So maybe that does give them a, a chance now. Well, let's let's do this. Um, let's say Alabama with one loss wins out and beats Georgia in the SEC championship. So you have a one loss SEC champion Alabama. Let's also have a one loss Georgia put in an undefeated Big 12 champion, Oklahoma, and a one-loss Pac-12 champion, uh, Oregon. Does undefeated Cincinnati get in? I mean, I don't know. Because I think that's the nightmare situation for Cincinnati, where there's... yeah. I agree. I mean, I think Cincinnati has to root for Alabama to lose. They have to root for anyone in the top four except for Georgia to lose again. Because yep. a one-loss Georgia does them no good. They need one of the teams with one loss to be a two-loss team. Or even if we have um, undefeated Georgia, one-loss Oregon, undefeated Oklahoma, one-loss Ohio State. Yeah, I would agree. I just there's, <laughs> I there's just zero path to the playoff for Cincinnati. I mean, there is a path, but it's it's not very likely to me, at least, because Ohio State remembered that they're good again, so they're gonna win out. Yeah, I mean, Michigan's good, but yeah, I agree. Are they though? I mean. Ohio State has two tough games left. They have Michigan State and Michigan. Is Michigan State good? And Purdue, who is a traditional spoiler, especially past couple weeks. I don't, I don't know. know. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. I just... I don't like that the playoff committee lies about what they're doing. Oh, like, if I they agree. just... If they like, if they just said, "Hey, it's a Power Five playoff," then it's whatever. Um, but don't give us the yes, they beat Notre Dame, but who else did they play? <laughs> that yeah, annoys me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just have had enough of Alabama. Fair enough. We should just have an anti-Alabama alliance. Shall we move on to basketball? Yay, it's basketball time. Season is here, starting Tuesday. We did get a scrimmage, though. Aaron, did you get a chance to watch it? I watched bits and pieces, and I looked at the stat sheet. That's good enough. I've not watched it top to bottom. Uh, Mav, what did you think? 
Um, we talked, actually uh, had the chance to talk about it too on the weekend. I mean, I, by all means, I, I definitely came out thinking positively. They looked really good. Um, I think on paper, we're actually a better team even than the past two seasons. So I think there's definitely a high, I think the floor at the very least is higher than what it was uh, the past two seasons. Um, you know, pretty good. I really enjoyed the guard play with Caleb Love and RJ Davis out there at the same time. We've kind of been hearing rumblings about that. It seems to now be confirmed. I think that really cemented it when we learned that uh, both Caleb and RJ were going to be team captains this year. The first two sophomore captains since Marcus Page, and those are the only three Tar Heels that I think that's ever happened to in in the, in the modern era. Um, so they both looked really well. Um, RJ can get down the floor with some blistering pace. And so I think that's definitely going to help still play into the transition style offense that is really quintessential to Carolina basketball. And I think just from a glimpse, you like said, we were wondering like what, how exactly is Hubert Davis going to play things, but it, it definitely seemed like it was tweaks. It, it wasn't a huge overhaul of things. We still dominated in transition offense. We still rebounded the ball effectively, both on the offensive and defensive side. Um, I mean, the tweaks are we looked I, I really like some of the defensive sets that we had. And there was a lot more versatility from the front court with Brady Manick, Dawson Garcia, and even Armando uh, taking shots from beyond 15 feet, which was which would be unheard of um, most of the time in the Roy Williams era. And he made one. He made a three. And, didn't yeah. He? Yes. Yeah, Armando yeah. hit one from uh, right straight on. He looked comfortable. Take that's the thing that strikes me so much is that they look like they have been taking threes for like the past four years, or at least Mondo mm-hmm. does, or however long he's been here. I am glad we're taking Caleb off the ball. He was never a natural point guard, so I'm glad we aren't forcing him to be. I thought it was interesting that Anthony Harris was facilitating some of the offense when RJ was off the floor. That was. Well, RJ and Caleb were, not, were off the floor mm-hmm. when it was just when Caleb was on the floor and RJ was off. Caleb seemed to be handling point guard duties, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, Leaky still got a good amount of playing time. Justin McCoy did not get as much as I thought he would. Yeah, that was a, that was probably one of the interesting things to me. And you see, Leaky did exactly what he needed to do. And and that and like I said, if that's what if he's if that's the role that he knows he can be, or if that's if he understands that that's what he can he needs to do game in game out, then that's going to I think pay dividends because um, just come in be that kind of Swiss Army knife that can do a little bit of everything maybe not do anything particularly elite but can do certain things really well. I thought we still rebounded well. Oh, we did just fine. Now, like I said, there was just some that you're going to get bad bounces and things like that all the time. But no, I think we did generally well, and like I said, we we rebounded just fine on the offensive side, which I think is the big staple of Carolina basketball. So we have two games upcoming this week, one on Tuesday, one on Friday. We have Loyola, Maryland at home, and then also at home, Brown on Friday. Um, Those teams, I'm looking at their Ken Palm rankings. Uh, There's, what, 353 D1 teams. Uh, Loyola, Maryland is 286. Brown is 251. So... Not saying, but I will be very disappointed if this if those two games do not go a certain way. Um, but yeah, seems like be- we might get some scientist Hubert early in the season. 
Um, because from what I read, he's willing to play with the rotation and play with who starts every game. Yeah. So I think we well, could have a six starters type team. Well, that was also the thing where the quote actually was, it was based upon like defensive performance in practice. Yeah. So he's re- he really is trying to stress, you know, defense um, with his system. And like I said, that's, that's definitely something positive I, I like to hear about. Um, and again, that, that I, I really enjoyed the front court too. Um, it was pretty evenly. It was a sort of thing where Brady ended up ultimately coming off the bench, but they it was 17, 16, and 16. So if they're both getting about the same lines, then who cares who's starting necessarily? And I'm pretty sure they all got the, about the same minutes. So, um, I mean, uh, that's positive as well. And I also think some things never change. Like the first how many field goals that we gave up being three-pointers? Three of the first four. Death taxes and but, Carolina but, giving up an exorbitant number of threes. But while they were kind of the same where it's like the one person goes off, that was the same. I feel like these were a little bit more contested. They weren't wide open swing pass threes like from rotations um, because of the switches and whatnot. And I thought even the, the, the bigs defended the switches rather well. I mean, they got, they're going to get a couple, but the, the bigs defended rather well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I'm concerned about because I I mentioned on Twitter that they're switching one th- or they were switching one through five, uh, which ended up with RJ on some centers sometime, which is what I'm more concerned about. And better teams are going to be able to exploit those a little bit better. But I also don't think that it's going to be something where uh, Coach Davis does it this one way and will never adjust from doing it that one way. That's a fair point. Yeah, no, there's definitely so overall there was a lot of positives to take from it. Um, we'll get plenty of tests to start up the season, especially when we get up to Mohegan Sun. So we'll have it cut out for us, but there's definitely plenty to be excited about. Like I said, uh, I posed this to some of the folks uh, at the football game. Is is it that hot of a take to say that our front court is probably more versatile or at least more well-rounded than last year's? I don't think so. Because I I, I think I mean, Mondo's Mondo. I think Brady's probably going to be a little bit more effective offensively than Garrison was. And then Walker versus Dawson. Walker's probably better, but it's just like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing a either or motion with my hands. Podcasting is a visual medium. <laughs> well, you so. just got When you do that motion, you just got to rapidly switch between the left and the right channel. <laughs> so like, just like pan it. Yes, yeah, an audio demonstration of what it means. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, basketball season is back. I'm excited. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to fall behind on all the television I'm watching because I'm <laughs> watching sports every day. That's why you just got to do what I do and watch one TV show. Speaking of which, since Aaron's not here, or Aaron is here, since da- I'm very used to saying since Aaron's not here, since David's not oh, here, oh, okay. <laughs> since David's not here, you want to talk Survivor? Yeah. Uh, so that full was... spoiler from here on out for yeah, Maverick, Survivor. You watched, right? No, I've missed about two or three now. Oh, Maverick. Okay, <laughs> but I'm fine. 
I'm pretty sure we may. No, 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 no. There you, may you be a merge not, probably already, but you do not want to be spoiled with this episode. Yeah, now, I do know. I do know that uh, Miss Mafia boss, Mafia Pastor, is um, blazing the trail right now. That's what I do know. You do not want this episode spoiled. Is it? I know you are a pro spoiler, but avoid the spoiler at all costs. It's an eventful episode. I will say that. Took off the headphones. Can you hear us, Maverick? The headphones are off. Okay, let's go. Okay. Um, so I liked the flashback. I know you didn't like it. Yeah. I thought it was good because we got to see it happen and then see how it happened. And also it was like kind of like you saw like it happening from a mile away, but they also made you doubt yourself enough that you were like, is it actually going to happen? Yeah, I think there, I mean, I say there are two schools of thought. I feel like it's actually everyone else and then me because everyone I've talked to <laughs> like likes to flashback uh, edit. What I would have preferred is knowing that the idol is fake before uh, Xander tried to, before mm-hmm. Xander, you know, just yeah. because I like the the horror movie aspect of we know that this bad decision is coming and you're dreading it the whole time. And you're like yelling at your TV at her not to do it or to do it if you're rooting for Xander. Um, and then it happens. Uh, but I, I get the appeal of both sides. That's right. I, sh- that, I mean, I do think that the horror movie part is good, but I think that the like who done it is amazing when they pull it off right and that was the first time they'd pulled it off that good in a long time going to strategy who would would you have asked for an eye for the idol and if you did who would you have asked to i mean i wouldn't have i think that she was i think that liana is was too set in trying to make that big splash and like flip too soon when she could have waited and still been playing both sides because up until that point, Yasa thought that Liana was still with them. I think that's true. I also can see the because I think Liana is not very interested in playing with Yasa, or at least she yeah. said that she, if she could have, then she would have played with them for a little bit longer. But I don't think that she ever intended to stick with them much longer after the merge. So I totally get the idea of. I need to get this idol as soon as possible because the longer it's out in the world, the more chances it has to t- change hands. So I s- totally get her wa- like asking it and wanting it at this tribal, even if they had no intentions of using Xander's idol. Yeah, that's true. I think that just I think that doing it so soon shows your cards earlier than you need to. Fair enough, especially because she didn't need to vote against Evie. Um, and so she could have said, like, yeah, I'm still with you. I think that's I fair. think that I think that this tribal showed very, very clearly why live tribals need to be outlawed. Because the whole point of a move like that failing is that then the other side can't really do anything about it. And so basically you're taking away any advantage that the minority gets from counteracting an advantage by letting everyone get up and whisper. I think that's true. Yeah, you can definitely neutralize what could be a big move. Although I do think that they did it a lot better this time to where they 
uh, gave captions to all the important stuff instead of us just seeing whispers and being like, what the hell just happened? That's something that I do think was very well done, both with the captioning and with the flashbacks, is that a problem a lot of the time with Survivor is that they show you something that happened, but they don't explain before or after why it happened. You're just left like, what? why did this happen? I'm so confused. And we knew exactly what happened and exactly why it happened. And even after the the big reveal of the knowledge's power advantage, there was still the unsureness of who was going to go between Deshaun, Evie, and Sydney. Yeah. But Mav has his headphones back on, so <laughs> we can pause for now. Wait, he's... Yeah, I'm not actually hearing, though. Okay. Oh, uh, so we can keep going? Okay, bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I realized I can turn the audio off without actually taking my headphones off. Okay, we'll signal when you're good to go. Um, so I think that I was listening to... Do you ever listen to RHAP, Colby? No. I'm just um, very aware of its existence. <laughs> it's it's fun it's a lot of good like volume of content and every week rob does a recap of the episode with a survivor alum and this week he had pg on there and she had a really good suggestion of how to fix the whole advantages that no one knows exists coming out of nowhere issue Um, Because I do think that that is a very present issue in the Advantage era of Survivor, whether it be the knowledge is power or the idle nullifier or the legacy advantage or the steal a vote or the extra vote or things of that nature, anything, to be honest, is that at the beginning of the season, you provide uh, all the players with a list of all of the possible advantages that could be in the season. So you have every advantage that will be there on there, but you also have Mm. a lot of red herrings. So that way, any potential advantage is on the table. I like that. I think that's good. Yeah, but you don't know exactly what's going to happen. So you could be planning for something that never shows up. I also very much like, I think Shot in the Dark should stay. I think that's a great way to add another number to Survivor in a very simple way. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I think that the power is directly proportional to the cost. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Who do you think is winning? Who? I don't know. I don't know. Because I think... Shan and Liana are playing way too hard. I think Deshaun is closer to the bottom than he thinks he is. But I do think someone from that side is going to end up winning. If I had to guess I right now, I'd probably say Danny. Interesting. I think that it's Tiffany. Oh, I'd hate that. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> I, 
I up until last week I thought it was Shan far and away. No one is even close. And after this week, I think that there is no chance. That no way, Shan wins. or Liana wins. No, no way, no chance. I think after after last week, I think it's going to be someone from Yasa because up until that point, it was like there's I I don't think there's any way anyone from Blue wins just because they got so little content pre merge. And to be fair, it's because they never lost. Yeah, but I think that there's no way any of them win because they got so little content. Period. Um, and so I always thought it was going to be someone from green or yellow, and I thought it was going to be Shan, like no question. But after this past week, I think that there's no way that Shan wins. Do you think Danny and Deshaun were right for wanting to throw? Uh, an elimination or throw uh, um, an immunity challenge to get into a tribal Mm, I mean I don't know because I think that there definitely is positive that can be taken from going to tribal in that that's how you solidify alliances and know you can actually trust people but in tribes so small you never want to go to tribal if it was two 10 person tribes I would be fine throwing a challenge but in a six-person tribe, there's not enough room to maneuver to risk that kind of thing, in my opinion. Survivor's so much better than Big Brother. <laughs> Big Brother, when it's good, it's really good. It's just yeah. so bad. All right, let's see if we can get Mav's attention. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> Welcome back. Is he back? I cannot wait to see your reaction to the most recent episode of Survivor Maverick. Okay. It followed... It, it was back-to-back. Uh, I'm interested to see Colby's opinion on this. Back-to-back, one of my top five least favorite episodes of all time with one of my top five most favorite episodes of all time. Oh, you mean... So, Mav, the last two are like a two-parter. Yeah, part one was one of the worst episodes ever. I mean, it was pretty boring. Like, it was... I didn't. I don't know if they. It was a good idea to try to fill a whole hour with the with part one. Yeah. Oh wait, Maverick, mm-hmm. headphones off for another five seconds. Sorry, I have one more thing that I got to talk. I'm just reading your side. Okay. Um. Colby, the hourglass is one of the worst twists in the history of Survivor. I mean, who wouldn't break it? Is my thing. So that, that's the whole point. It's like, why do you 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 can't tell people. They, you need to win this challenge to be safe. And then for no reason, they're not safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just not counterintuitive a... to the whole point of the show. I agree. Okay. 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 Anything else before we go? I think this is a good, robust episode. I mean, I put NFL on here um, just because it was the weirdest week um, in NFL history. <laughs> the Browns are back. Perhaps. Be remiss. Yeah, I'd be remiss. Shout out to field hockey on their fifth straight ACC yeah. championship. Another. Did you see the stat about how about what they've done since Aaron came back? No. They are four. She. This is this was the fourth game since she's come back. They are four and zero. Oh. They've scored eleven goals. Uh, she's scored nine of them, and the other two she's assisted on. <laughs> she's so ridiculous. Yeah. We are all witnesses. (laughs) Oh, man. 
All right, y'all. So we have basketball on Tuesday, football on Thursday, basketball on Friday. Busy week for the Heels. Um, and the Panthers suck, and I don't want to talk about them. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's Never Made Varsity. Uh, we'll see if David can tell us about his time in Mexico next time that he's here. Y'all want to say anything? Bye. Okay, thanks.